0: Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
3: Hey, welcome into the All Ball Podcast. I'm your boy Doug Gottlieb. Man, 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 are you gonna love this? You're gonna love this. Uh, Matt Mooney is a. We all seen basketball. He's a kid, right? He's a kid from. About 45 minutes outside of Chicago, Wakanda, swear to God, that's what it's called, different spelling. Wakanda, Chicago, and uh, went to Notre Dame Prep, and his journey to the NBA, to the Cleveland Cavaliers is nothing short of remarkable. I I want you to think about this for a second. He had one scholarship offer at a high school that was to go to the Air Force Academy, but he didn't get to go to Air Force right away. He had to go to their prep school, which is on the campus in Colorado Springs. I, I don't want to give away what happened but crazy story what happened then he he goes prep for a year plays there for a year and then decides i want to leave air force he goes to the university of south dakota plays for craig smith who's now the head coach at utah state goes to south dakota sits out for a year then tears it up for two years then he transfers again was close to going to creighton decides to go to texas tech and at texas tech He had a dream season. They go to a national championship game. They were tied with the ball out of bounds underneath the, their own basket with a couple seconds remaining. And obviously they lost in overtime to Virginia. Then he goes to the Hawks summer. I'll I'll let him tell the story. Nonetheless, it's a story of perseverance of hard work, work ethic, and self-belief. Um, there's also a personal side to it, uh, with his father. You, you, you're going to love this pod. Um, couple of quick thoughts basketball-wise. Obviously, college basketball is starting to come together. And it's interesting that we're talking to Matt Mooney, who ended one of Gonzaga's dream seasons. They're the preseason number one. I mean, think about this. It's been 20 years now of Gonzaga dominance in college basketball. But only recently have they made deep runs or deeper runs in the NCAA tournament. Final four, the national championship game a couple of years ago, which they end up losing by one possession. So now, like Gonzaga has a legit shot to win it, to win the whole thing. And that would be the last thing to accomplish. They dominated their conference. They dominated their conference tournament. They sent one and dones to the NBA. They're now a preseason number one team in the country. They've been to a Final Four, been to a national championship game. The only thing left is to actually win that last game on Monday night, and we'll see this year if they can do it. We'll talk more about the teams. Baylor also right there is a, almost like a co-number one. Fascinating what Scott Drew has been able to do, if you remember. He took over. Dave Bliss was caught on an audio tape, putting the blame on one of his players who was shot dead by one of his other players. I mean, they had recruited guys off campus, no scholarships his first year, to building Baylor into being a, an Elite Eight team several times over, losing to Duke, a couple questionable calls. Could this be the year that Scott Drew lives the impossible dream, gets to a Final Four, or maybe wins the national championship at Baylor? So that's kind of what's in front of us with college basketball, the rest is a little bit messy, right? We think we're a couple of weeks away from college basketball starting, but the COVID numbers continue to rise. The restrictions get a little bit tighter and we still don't have true clarity on how many of these events will absolutely positively go off. There's going to be a season. What it looks like. I can't honestly tell you, but the other part that's interesting is here. We are a week away from the NBA draft and how many of these guys Can you recall off the top of your head? Now, many of you know that covering college basketball, I'm a huge proponent of the sport, but of the value of the promotion of the sport. Now think, how many of these guys can you actually name? Because you didn't see Anthony Edwards play in the NCAA tournament. Probably wouldn't have anyway, but you you didn't see, you name the player and you didn't see the Okoro kid from Auburn to be a top seven pick. Didn't see him play. Not because of anything he did, but because of COVID. It shows the value of the NCAA tournament. So we'll get to some of that with Matt Mooney. Last thing, boy, the NBA is in a pickle. They're going to start before Christmas, play those Christmas games, and that's great for the Golden State Warriors, who also get a little bit of tax relief with some of the CBA rules that have been uh, put down. But what do you do with LeBron James, and what do you do with the Heat, those teams that just got done playing and now have such a limited offseason? My guess is the LeBrons of the world will suddenly take a lot more breaks not just in December, in January, into February, and slow roll out how much they play this NBA season. All right, let's get to our discussion with Matt Mooney. All right, let's welcome him in. He's uh, Matt. Matt Mooney joins us. I, I want to get to your life and 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 everything, but it's fascinating. Like this, is just like this is what I I really want. Like basketball, and I think you're starting to. You probably already know this, and you're starting to figure it out. There's so much connectivity, right? Like it's it's interesting. I, Mike Garrity is the is the player development coach. Is that what the, his term his name is right there? Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. Mike Garrity grew up in Orange County. When he was just a little twerp, he was probably sixth, seventh grade. My dad used to have um, a basketball academy workout Sundays at Woodbridge High School in Irvine, California. And there used to be this little kid, and the dad was like. This guy is going to be a player. He wants to be the next Doug Gottlieb. Mike Gary wore forty four because I was his guy, and now he's wow. your he's your developmental coach. And he played USC, stud player, good dude. He's great. Isn't
4: that funny? No, that yeah, that's uh no, it is a small world. I heard that he was out training uh, Mike Brown's son, and then when Mike Brown got the job here, he brought him on, and just because you know he uh, he liked what he was doing, but he's really good at what he does.
3: Yeah, it's it, it's really amazing. Um, Okay, where in Chicago did you grow up?
4: So I grew up in Wakanda. It's uh, forty-five minutes northwest. Wait, of Wakanda? Chicago. Wakanda, man.
3: Wait, wait, yeah, Wakanda people, forever.
4: Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the joke people make. Spell different spelling.
3: Okay, so it's it's forty-five minutes from Chicago. Which which direction? Northwest. Okay, so that's like, so that's not like Glenbrook North and all that. That's past that,
4: right? Past that, have you been out that way?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was born in Milwaukee. I've spent. I have friends, a lot of friends from, uh, from that part of, around there in Chicago. Whatever. Done some work there as well at, at times. It's awesome. I mean, okay. So your first memory of basketball is where? What? Do, like
4: first memory? Wakanda Park District. Uh, just playing like in ki- I think I was probably in kindergarten, first grade. My dad was coaching. I know your dad was coaching. Uh, you growing up, I've listened to your stuff. My brother listens to a lot of your stuff, actually. Um, but my dad was coaching, kind of Park District, you know, playing on those eight-foot goals. And, uh, you know, everybody just runs to the ball type of thing. And every, every time you get it, you shoot it. That's probably what I, first memory.
3: Okay. So then as you, as you grew up, were you only a ball guy or did you play baseball, football, other sports?
4: No, I played other sports, but I, I loved basketball. Um, and I, I was small. I was real small. So like football, I love football. I liked football, but I was like, I was too skinny. Uh, so in baseball, I was pretty good at baseball. I liked soccer too, but around fifth grade, I gave everything up. I played football until eighth grade, but fifth grade, I gave everything up. Cause you know, baseball in the summer conflicts with AAU and uh, I gave it up, you know, and my dad was always trying to think like, all right, what's the best way we can get him a scholarship. So he was trying to keep me in baseball or other sports. Cause he didn't know, you know? So basketball ended up working out, but I, I just loved it.
3: I I understand. So okay, so you're like fifth grade, sixth grade. You're you're little, and you're like, Dad, this is what I want to do. He wants you like this. Is by the way, it's like a snapshot of my life. My son's left-handed. And I'm like, bro, you ain't giving up baseball. But he <laughs> loves he loves That's hoop, my brother. And, huh? Yeah, he lo- he loves yeah. hoop, but I don't know. Like I'm I'm smaller than you, and I don't know if he's gonna be even my size. Um, so uh, were you? were you really good? Did you blossom? Like, okay. T- middle school type, type age. Were you, h- how good were you? I was
4: good. Um, I was good in middle school and high school was where, you know, I just didn't hit, I didn't hit my growth spurt and, you know, I was, I was still good, but I wasn't, you remember how big enough.
3: you were when you entered high school?
4: Yeah, I was five, 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 or five, six.
3: Yeah. So here's, uh, so here's my, so I was five feet tall at the end of eighth grade five feet 105 pounds and the, my dad That's the whole nice. year was like he's staying back because I grew late he's gonna grow late so I stayed back and I end up I stayed in the same school district but different school and then I switched school district to go to high school and I entered high school at like five nine so 15 months I grew nine inches and I was like and I was during the year I grew so much I was terrible and I was okay as a as a freshman <laughs> so yeah. uh you're a freshman, you played JV, freshman team, like what What were you as a freshman?
4: Well, so I ended up going to high school, like right on the north side of Chicago. I went kind of far away because my dad was, you know, trying to figure out where to, where to send me because we're trying to get a scholarship. Right. Um, so I went to play for Tom Less Notre Dame high school there on the north side. And, uh, it was a basketball school. So it was just, you know, I was going to be, uh, that was the focus. And, You know, we we were going to play against kids in the city, better competition. So he sent me there. And uh, I mean, we were good. So I played sophomore as a freshman. And then I played sophomore as a sophomore. And I played varsity as a junior. I didn't really even start my junior year till like halfway through.
3: So, okay. So then your senior year, how good were you?
4: My senior year, I was good. I mean, we we were like top five, top 10 in the state. In Chicago, you know, it was pretty good. And, you know, I was our best player. Um, we didn't have any other Division One guys. We had some talented guys. Uh, we had some good players, some other college players. We had really good, like, high school players. But um, my senior year, I, I think my, my senior year, I averaged almost 20 a game. You know, it was 25 and 5, something, something along those lines. But I wasn't what all-state AAU? or anything. What AAU program? Chi-town Diablos. Who was on that team? Um, you know, nobody that you would know, you know, Chris Galbraith, he ended up going Juco and then went to Sam Houston State. Uh, Josh Doss, one of my teammates, ended up playing at, with me at University of South Dakota. Uh, we had a little point guard who played Division Two. Ari. Uh, we were, you know, we, we had a dude, Gavin Schilling, who left our team. He ended up playing at Michigan State, but he went to Mac Irvin Fire.
3: Yeah, was, My coach, Chuck
4: Demas. he just put together some guys in the city and made a team. And we weren't sponsored or anything like that.
3: So then um how did so then from there you went to did you go to Air Force Prep or did you go to the Air Force right away?
4: I went to prep because I broke my ankle out of high school. So yeah, I was around for a little while in college out of high school. Right before I was gonna go to the uh to the academy, I was supposed to just go to the academy and I was being stupid. I mean, I wasn't being stupid, but I was so
3: I was riding play, a bike. What were you doing?
4: I was being stupid. I was, I was riding a bike. you know. I was trying to get ready for basic training, and I had like a, something wrong with my foot. So the doctor told me, just, just ride a bike to stay in shape. So it's raining outside, and me and my brother, we, we, grab, our, we grab our bikes, and we're going for a bike ride. And we get to this uh, this trail. It's like a one-mile loop. And, you know, I'm pretty competitive, and I'm like, all right, Joe, you go, you go left. I'm going to go right. We're going to race. First one to get back here wins. So I start going. I'm going way too fast. we got these really old bikes. They're, you know, they're not very good. We, we don't bike ever. And uh, I start going down this hill. And, you know, I get to the bottom of the hill. My back tire slips out. I smash my foot in the ground, break my ankle. So then Air Force was like, all right, you can't do basic training with a busted ankle. So they sent me to the prep school.
3: Who recruited you to Air Force?
4: Uh, Steve Snell and Dave Pilipovich, yeah. Coach Pilpovich.
3: So when they came to your house, was there any, uh, was there ever a point where like, I do not want to be in the Air Force? So like, I know you want to play hoop and I've called games Air Force. Like I actually kind of dig the place. It's beautiful. And like, you want to hoop, you want to hoop. But they're like, hey, by the way, afterwards, you're going to have to be in the Air Force. Although Air Force is kind of cool. They had a chance of maybe right. fly a plane. I don't know.
4: No, I, I never wanted to be in the military. It wasn't like a, you know, I didn't come from a military family. I didn't want to fly a plane. Uh, but that was my only Division I offer. And, you know, my dream was always Division One. So I went on a visit. They never came to my house, but I went on the visit. And, uh, you know, I, I like the facilities. I like the coaching staff. I like Coach P. So I just decided, you know, this is, if this is what I got to do to fulfill my dream of Division I, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to go through the basic training and all the military and all that stuff. And, uh, so I, I took it. And plus they were in the mountain West, which was a good league and yeah. is a good league.
3: It was a really good league at the time. Yeah. Not, not as good. Not as good. When you left, it was, I mean, that's why the league got bad was you left. Really? That's, that's, that's <laughs> I <really did>. okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, definitely. so you, you can't do basic, you go and now all of a sudden you're in air force prep. Now for people who don't know, yeah, it's prep school. It's literally on the same campus, right? Like. Where mm-hmm. do you guys have your own dorms or you're intermingled with, with regular cadets. Like what, what's that existence like?
4: No, I'm surprised. You know that, that much about it. It's uh, it's on the base and it's like three miles away from the Academy. And then we're, I mean, we're in the military. We had to do basic training as well, but they allowed me to do it with the broken leg and uh, it was hard, man. It was hard.
3: Um, well, okay. Hardest, it, it, thing, a, hardest thing you have to do.
4: Hardest thing I had to do. Yeah. There? Yeah. Well, so I went through three weeks of basic training at the prep to go through that school year. And then you, do basic you know that year. Was, yeah. That year was tough. But um, and I only played about half the season because I was still getting healthy. And then the next year I went through basic training again for six weeks. But the hardest thing you have to do is you just the thing the thing about Air Force and like the military and basic training is like you're constantly doing things you don't want to do when you don't wanna do them. You know, you just have no say, you just gotta do it. And you know, you're up at 4.30 in the morning and first thing you're doing, you know, sirens are going off, beating on the door and you're just going for like a 10 mile run and you're doing pushups. And you know, there was a time, there was a time we literally, you're not gonna believe this, people probably aren't gonna believe this, but we did a hundred, my squadron, we did 120 pushups in a row without stopping. Like the form probably wasn't great, but I never would have thought I could do that. And it's just like, you push yourself, Past your your limits mentally. You're you're a lot stronger than you realize. Yeah, or it's more. It, men- it, 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 yeah. It's one of
3: those. If you can do this, there's nothing you can't do. Right? It's that doesn't. I mean, it's like look. In, in no way does it compare to what is it say it's, it's a plebe in the army. what is it called when you're a freshman at, at the Air Force?
4: Wow, I can't believe I can't think of it right now. You can't remember? Ah, uh, oh man it's going to come to me during this, this conversation. I know it it,
3: it will. Okay. So, um, but like, Oh, so when I went to Oklahoma state, we, we decided we my first time running. I get there. It's like August and August in Oklahoma is hot as balls. Right. So we're running and we had, we had to run from the weight room to the track, which is like a half mile, like just a jog to warm up. And then we did our sprints and stuff on the track and then we run back. Right? Mm-hmm. And, I ran, and we were running back, dudes are just throwing up. And I was like, and I, I told coach, I was like, Hey man, it is not safe. It's a hundred degrees. And you got <laughs> some big dude. He's like, all right, well you run at six in the morning. We're like, okay. So it kind of became our thing. And it's like, dude, and I, the worst part, starting, right? this, is, well, this is what I'm interested in. Right. Yeah. And I guess, I don't know. They do the bugle or whatever. The worst part is not getting up. It's the fear of not waking up, which wakes you up like at three in the morning, at four in the morning, at four, three in the morning, then at five in the morning, then five thirty. Like, oh, shit. Now I got to get up. Right. Yep. So yep. how do you how do you overcome that? The idea it's not the oversleeping because everybody gets up and wakes you up, but it's the mindset of, oh, God, I can't oversleep or then there's going to be hell to pay.
4: How do you overcome it when it, yes. we're at Air Force? Yes. Well, in basic training, you have no choice. like they you don't have your phone, so they're banging and sirens are going off. But then, in the school year, yeah, if you if you do not wake up, what they do is they just punish everybody else and they make you stand there and watch, so you feel terrible about it. Um, i I don't know if I ever missed it because I was so afraid of not waking up. I was already in trouble, you know they didn't like me, you know uh, from the jump there. So I knew like I can't miss this. Um, and it's crazy like how our bodies work. We just kind of automatically wake up. But nowadays we got the cell phones and we can set the alarm. So I don't think I ever missed one.
3: What what do you remember about playing there? Uh Princeton offense. I
4: hate it. Yeah. I, I don't like yeah. Princeton offense. I, I, I didn't enjoy the Princeton uh,
3: and I like and I've know, had I, Dave, just so you know, I've had Dave on the pod and I like Dave a okay. great deal. OK, and so do I. And and so but and this goes back to I used to cover Air Force when Bezdelic was there and before him, when uh, when Chris Mooney was the head coach there, I guess Mooney's my guy. He's been on the pod and he's a Princeton guy. And I just that's just not my jam. It's just it's 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 so um, like I, I've always I have always been I always think it's funny that guys that run Princeton, like they can't even function in normal pickup basketball. Because they're so kind of programmed to elbow, chin, it, you know. When you, when you, if you've been there right. in a couple of years, you you can play, you can play basketball, but you struggle to play basketball sometimes.
4: Yeah, and that's the hard thing with the Princeton. I agree with you. I don't want to bash the Princeton or Coach P. You know, Coach P was a good coach, and he he had some success over there. Um, but it takes away your instincts. Like basketball, the the thing that I love about the game is the creativity that you can. You know, use your instincts and read and react to what the defense does. But with the Princeton, it's just already kind of premeditated. And
3: yeah.
4: I didn't enjoy it. Um, you know, and I think there's a way to run it with you know, the guys a little bit more. Dulies, by the way. dooleys that's what they call you, a dually, right? No, no, it's not a dually. That's what it says. It says
3: uh, Is it a dually? Yeah.
4: No. Yeah,
3: which means like servant. Uh, it's. I, I need to text
4: one of my guys I, I, I can't believe I can't think about it It's not a plea, Plebe was army it's a, I'm telling you it's a dually Anyway It's okay, not a dually so, huh? it's, it's not a not dually? dually We were cadets, but they called us something else
1: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge
3: how how did you play there one or two years? one year. So you're there two years, right? You're in uh the Springs for two years. Yeah. What's the decision like to leave? Like t- take me through to how was it hard? Did you go see coach P? Did you text him? Did you go sit down face to face? Like what what was take me through the experience?
4: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was a, it was a very tough decision. Um you know because here's here's the uh the thought process of people who get into the academy because so many people try to get in it's like it's your ticket if you graduate from there you know the the saying is you work hard for four years you have fun for 40 and they say you know if you go to another school you have fun for four years and you work hard for 40. that's that's kind of the mantra
3: yeah
4: um so like everybody there it's like okay once you get in there you might hate it there but it's your ticket because if you graduate you know you do your time in the Air Force, you're set for you're life. you an officer, of
3: you're set. Great school, great reputation, you're set.
4: Get any job you want when you're done. And that's kind of, it It keeps a lot of guys there who don't want to be there. And I just kind of got that out of my head. Is like, I don't have to stay here to be successful, no matter which way I go with hoops or whatever I do. And I didn't know, like, playing professionally was going to be, you know, an option at the time. But I knew I wanted to see how far I could go with the game of basketball because that was the hard part there, too, was, uh, you know, you had limited time to focus on hoops. Um, it was military and school was, was your priorities. But I had to sit down with Coach P before spring break uh, because we get a week off to go home for spring break. I had to sit down with him and just told him, you know, my frustrations, this and that. And, um, you know, long story short, I just wasn't happy there. And, uh, you know, with, it was a tough year for me when, when, it, it, when, it come,
3: when, it, when it came out, it came out that you had alleged that you were bullied there.
4: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That made things way worse. Cause I, I talked about, I talked to some guy and I just said, you know, bullying and stuff happens here. Um, and it, it's just part of the system. You know, the upperclassmen, like if you're an underclassman, it's like the, in the military, you know, it's like. You have to listen to somebody who ranks higher than you. So if they tell you to do anything, they want to do anything to you. It's just like, okay, like upperclassmen would come in my room. They'd be like, all right, you know, your room's dirty. And then they just throw my bed on the floor and throw some clothes out on the floor. And then I got to clean it all up to like the proper standards and fold my clothes 10 by 10. And it's like, that stuff would happen. And it's just, um, I mean, I guess it's part of it, but it's, it would happen to me and my roommate more than I, I guess so, I guess
3: here's, here's the question I've I, I kind of wonder the picture you're painting, which is you're a very religious guy. Religion is very important to you. And Air Force is a place where it has always been. It's it's kind of come out that it's the very there's a lot of very, uh, very like Christian beliefs. And there's a lot of people that are at least alleged to be very religious there. Doesn't that go counter yeah. to the idea of throwing somebody's stuff all out on the floor <laughs> and treating them like dirt just because they're a freshman? Well, first, a couple things. One,
4: you know, I don't want to talk bad about Air Force. It's part of like, you know, it's part of the process and training and making guys tougher mentally and physically. And I think there are some people there who abuse their power. And and that that happens in any line of work you're in. But also, there's a lot of great people there. So like you are saying, there's Christian and good people. And no matter what you believe, good people. Then the third thing I would just say is like, I'm not a, you know, it's hard to, explain, but I wouldn't say I'm a religious person. I just, I'm more of a relational, you know, I, I, I'm working on my relationship with God, you know, religion is following a set of rules and, you know, you got to do these things, uh, checking off the boxes and that, but I'm more of a relational person.
3: It's a great way to look at it. Okay. So yeah, you had, you had a buddy at, uh, AAU teammate at South Dakota, right? You, you asked, you're going to transfer and yeah, he there, wasn't there
4: or, yet. Huh? He was not there yet. He was Okay, there so you you but
3: you're not sure going to transfer. Okay? But it wasn't like yeah. you killed it at Air Force. No disrespect, right? You played, <laughs> some, you shot well. You guys weren't good. Um yep. you're okay. So how did you get to how did you get to play at South Dakota? Yeah, they were like the
4: first school to call me, I think them and uh maybe Buff- Uh, I'm not sure. They were like one of the first schools to call me and Coach Hanson was the assistant there. It's my guy. And, you know, Coach Smith had just got there. He's you know, nice. I was fortunate enough to play for, like, two of the best coaches in college basketball, Smith and Beard. But, anyway, Smith was there. And they, uh, they were building brand-new facilities there. It was a little bit closer to home. You know, both my, my family was in the uh, Chicago area. So that was like a seven, eight-hour drive. And that, the Summit League, there's some school like Indiana, and you had Western Chicago Illinois. State, and,
3: Chicago State in the Summit League?
4: No, they're they're. I don't know what league they're in.
3: IUPUI, I think, is right. And I, you know.
4: They used to be we, uh, Pui. We, but yeah. um. You know, honestly, it just was. It was the coaches. I uh, I visited Colgate. Oh, it was Colgate. We came down to Colgate in South Dakota, and I really like the guys over at Colgate. And you know, my dad is kind of like my, uh, you know, my basketball. Uh, mentor, um, and he really wanted me to go to Colgate, and so it was really hard for me. I was like, "Man, I don't really want to go out here. It's a small town out in New York." And uh, I
3: picked South Dakota yeah. instead. I just, you know,
4: right, right. <laughs> but hey, I love South Dakota. Um,
3: I'm not saying you don't like. I'm a, okay. So, South University of South Dakota is located where?
4: It's in Vermillion. It's like an hour south of Sioux Falls.
3: Okay, how many people in Vermillion, roughly? Twenty thousand. How many people? But the that's
4: the thing. Colgate was even smaller. Colgate oh, yeah. was like 3,000 people.
3: No, I, I know all those schools in the Patriot League are like that. Great schools, ton of fun on campus, nothing to do outside of that. Uh, South Dakota, how many people, how many people, how many students? 10,000. Okay.
4: Um, it just came down to look, I love the coaches at Colgate and I love the guys good. at South Dakota, but yeah, he is good. He's good. He, uh, He was a good player too. And I think that would have been a good fit for me too, you know, but I just, I really liked coach Hanson and coach Smith. And I felt like they were building something there. Uh, So I decided on that.
3: I want to do something. Normally I I do this. I like to do it in chronological order, but I want to stop for one second and I want you to think about something. Okay. Okay. You leave air force. You're sitting out at South Dakota. If I would have told you at that moment that you would be a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA. What percentage of you would have believed that?
4: Mm. I don't know, man. I always—that's why. I, I mean, I wouldn't have believed you. I re, I wouldn't have believed you. But I always you had a little bit somewhat, of. Belief.
3: But you might have somewhat. Yeah. But people around you had been like.
4: No, it was something I could never say. But it was something internally I felt like, man, I can get there. I can get there. Yes. I just need a shot. I need a, and I need to keep getting better. But I felt like. I can get there one day. Um, but it was, I knew it was a small possibility. Like if I was going to get there, it was going to have to be, uh, you know, take everything I had in me and, you know, I'm going to have to catch some breaks along the
3: way. So you sit out at South Dakota. Okay. Yeah. And you transfer. What was that year like for you? Like, this is another year sitting out, another year not hooping. What, what, what were you just in the gym all the time? Was it tough for you mentally? What was that year like?
4: Yeah, that's where uh that was a tough year. Um for me just you know, I had some things going on with my family and then not being I tried to get a waiver, didn't get the waiver, so then when that news came in and uh you know I was just trying to find my way. I was like, man, I I had an injury and played one year and I had to sit out and um so I just was in the gym all the time and uh me and coach Hanson and coach G and I would be in there in the morning before class and practice and I'd go back at night and Pretty much every day. And, uh, you know, we just focused on pretty much three things. We focused on uh, shots off the move, you know, one or two dribble pull ups and shots off the catch. Like, that's all I drilled. Um, Just really trying to get good at those those things. And, um, you know, it was it was a long year for sure. But it was looking back, it might have been the most important year of my college just because I got to really improve on my game. For that year
3: so now all of a sudden you're like you you have the, the gift of having played some division one basketball you're a little bit older your body's kind of filled out you're mature and you had a year of working just on your game with those coaches all right now now what was that first year like playing at south dakota uh
4: it was hard getting into it the first half of the season was not very good i was i was our leading scorer but i was inefficient and you know, at South Dakota now, I play primarily point guard over there. I was playing the two, and uh, you know, I was I was really struggling. I remember halfway through the season, I sat down with Coach Smith, and we had a, we had a talk, and uh, I was like, Coach, just just give me that green light. I'm not going to let you down. Just give me that green light, just because I didn't feel it from him, and you know, I wasn't playing very well. We we were we were solid, but um. You know, he's like, all right, I'll give you that green light. But if you if you mess up then you know, I got to go with somebody else type of thing. And he gave me the green light and gave me more, you know, ran more plays for me and gave me that confidence. And the second half of the season, I, you know, played, played unbelievable. Um, not unbelievable. I played well and uh, we won the league and, uh, you know, we had a really good season. We, we won our league, but we lost on a buzzer beater in the conference tournament. You know how it is with the mid major; it's brutal. And what do you? Mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at the
3: stats. I'm just, you know, I'm looking at the stats of that game. What What do you remember?
4: Which game? The NIT game?
3: No the the end of season game, the one that ended your the one that ended ended that year in the conference tournament. Well,
4: I remember I played pretty well. I mean, I was, um, I think I had 30 or so, and I had a shot. What happened was I had a shot in the corner with like 20 seconds left to put us up by three. And I thought that was it. You know, it was a tough shot. I thought like, okay, we are you going? And then Mike Dom, I don't know if you remember Mike Dom. You yeah, probably do. Dominator. Yeah. Yeah. Good, really good college player. He came down and our big guy fouled him. He went, to, like, we fouled him right away. He went to the free throw line, made both. So now we're up one. And then they fouled uh, one of our guys, a freshman, who was a really solid player, but he goes to the line and missed a one and one so now we're up one and they had this dude, this point guard. We knew they were trying to get the ball to Dom. So we were, you know, trying to not let him get in. The point guard just pulled up and he hit the shot at, you know, with 0.9 seconds left. And that was it. And uh, that was really hard to, to deal with. Cause like my dream was division one, but my dream was NCAA tournament. I mean, I skipped school, to watch the NCAA
3: tournament every right. day when I was a kid. Yes. So. And then, okay. So. I think think about that heartbreak, and then, like you, I'm sure at the time you're like, I'm never this is not not gonna happen for me. You fast forward two years later, and you're in the final four, right? Like yeah. that's it, it. It is like your path so interesting. Okay, so you have a second year. Next year you play in the CBI. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You, you get done. Mm-hmm. Coach Smith is gonna leave to Utah State, right? Did you know right. you were going to, you were going to grad transfer at that point? At that point, you're like, I'm playing really well. I can grad. Tra-. Did, when did, when did it, when did it happen that you, I want to grad transfer and go somewhere bigger? So obviously that was
4: on my mind, but I, I think I was going to stay with Smith. You know, we, because we didn't get to the tournament, I loved my teammates there. I loved the university, but I was getting a little bit older. You know, I was getting almost 23, I think. Um I'm trying to remember that year, but. It was like, all right, do I stay here at South Dakota, try to get to the tournament, finish what we started, or do I go somewhere bigger, take a chance on myself, try to get some exposure? But the risk there is you go somewhere bigger and you don't play well. Now I got nothing. Right. You know, if, if I, you
3: have what, – what they don't tell – what people don't realize is, like, if you stayed at South Dakota, okay, you didn't make the tournament, You you're a legend there. You could coach there. You could broadcast. You live there. You do whatever – Dudes that transfer that second time, you kind of, if it doesn't work out like for you, it worked out great. But for most people, you're kind of a man without a home. You know, you don't have, you're not getting invited back to alumni games when you played, when you were at school for nine months. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, no, you hit it on the head. And that's something I thought about a lot is like, I don't have a legacy anywhere. You know, I don't have a legacy. I don't have somewhere I can come back to. And like, I love South Dakota. I was like, man, I probably won't be able to come back here anymore if I leave. but, you know, I, I talked about, you know, my faith is really important to me and my relationship with God. And uh, it's something I prayed a lot about. And sometimes, you know, for most people call it that gut feeling. You know, I believe it's, it's the Holy Spirit. And I just felt like I had to, I had to go. And once Smith got the job at Utah State, I kind of knew it was like, all right, I probably got to, you know, go somewhere else and try to play against the best competition and see, see how I stack up.
3: Why? Uh, I know there was a bunch of schools. Why Tech?
4: Coach Beard, um, you know, pr- pretty simple. It, it, Northwestern, I like those guys a lot, and those close to home. My family wanted me to go there. It was tough. Creighton, I thought their style of play was uh, good for me. But uh, you know, I think I think something that uh, has really helped me is just being uncomfortable and putting myself in uncomfortable positions. And uh, you know, staying going close to home that was comfortable. Going to Creighton. Similar system, close to South Dakota. Like it was two hours from South Dakota, so I still be by my friends. Um, but Texas Tech, like, and I remember I went to Texas Tech and I played pickup down there, and I didn't play very good. The other places I, I know this story, and I, the story
3: Huh? Uh, they told me the story by the way.
4: Would they say I play bad or what?
3: Yeah, they're like, eh. yeah, they're like, a, he's better. I, he was better. On, they said they were like, man, we loved him on tape, and then he was down there like, yeah. I love him. <laughs> and, and Beer was like, yeah, he's tougher than shit. He's my kind of guy. He's my kind of player. And, and the other guys on the staff were like, "Yeah, don't know if he's athletic enough to play at this level.
4: Yeah, they still – I mean, I still don't know if I'm athletic enough. But they um, – that's, that's right. I never heard that story. That's funny. I didn't play very good down there. I wanted to play pickup just to see how they play, the style of play, the system. And, you know, those guys guard. Uh, and they were gardening pickup, and it was different. Uh, but at the end of the day, I went down there because I knew I was going to get better. Like the the resources they have, the player development, the GAs, the coaches. Like I knew they were going to win. And you know there was other schools recruiting me that have kind of fell that had fallen off. And I won't I won't say which school in particular, but I remember. You know, one one of the schools had gone to the tournament, and they didn't go to the tournament. And they kind of had excuses for it. Um, and they brought their whole team back, you know. And uh, my brother was just like, my older brother, Dan, he was just like, Matt Beard would never let that happen. He's like, he's going to find a way to win. And, and Tech lost like most of their guys, you know. We weren't yes. projected to be very good. I
3: know. The guy's, but unbelievable. You could, the guy's unbelievable. I mean, he's literally unbelievable. Yeah, um, he is. He's different. Okay, breed. so what was it like to play Duke? Because cause I, I want to get eh. to the Final Four, I want to get to the NBA, but for all of us like you and me who grew up watching the NCAA tournament, now you're playing Duke, yeah. neutral site game, you know, uh, playing for Tech. And I know you didn't play all that well. Um, no, but, not at all. What, uh, but, like, what's that feeling like? Like, holy shit, we about to play Duke.
4: Yeah, no, Duke is like the, uh, I don't know, it's like, Yankees. They're, they're the team everybody wants to play. Yeah, the Yankees, whatever. The Bulls in the nineties. They're the top dog. They're the team, you know. You see on TV, and it's just like they got legends that come out of there. Coach K. So like the hype was crazy. We were undefeated. I think they were number two uh, in the Garden. So it was electric in there. I think it was sold out too. I don't. I don't know. I mean, other than the Final Four, I mean, there's some really good atmospheres in the Big Twelve, but. That was uh, something it, – it was uh, a really good experience. I wish I could have that one back. So, we all do. You know, we, we should have had that
3: game. Yeah. Um, okay, then you go on this magical run uh, in, the, in the NCAA tournament, and you go all the way to the Final Four. But, it, like, so much of it's a blur, right? Like, you mm-hmm. crushed Michigan State. Like, that was – but, I mean, you hit all those – you hit a bunch of threes um, against Gonzaga. And you guys, I mean, really sliced and diced Gonzaga. Um, when you close your eyes and you think back, like, but our memories are different as fans. What, what's your, mm-hmm. what, what do you remember?
4: Yeah, I remember the Gonzaga game in um, Michigan State, you know, the last three. You know, the Virginia one, I obviously, I don't, don't want to remember that, but, you know, got to move but it's on. it's possible uh, not to,
3: right? Like you remember the losses more than the wins.
4: Right. That's a good point um but i remember the gonzaga game man gonzaga game, gonzaga was really good yes. and that was like to there i was in training camp with memphis with brandon clark and you know that was their year they thought that was their year you know they were they were stacked um and i just remember we played out of our minds uh i mean we played really well like as a team um and i just remember i i remember one play where i got a steal and i threw it away and they dunked it and um i remember the play late where you know, the Perkins, Morrow dribbled off his foot, Moretti, and then they hit the three, and I was like, oh, no, man. Like, here we go. This is what you see on TV every year. But um, that was a lot of fun. That was probably one of my most fun games. It was a complete game for myself, for the team. And then Michigan State, you can't really explain the Final Four um, to people. unless I mean, people have been there, but, like, playing in it is hard to explain because it's just so different than any other – Time I've ever played, you know, eighty thousand people, seventy thousand, whatever it was, instead of fifteen. You know, even fifteen is is nuts. A sold out fifteen thousand, but seventy thousand. It's hard to explain how cool that is.
3: What happened in the timeout? That's what I want to know. I, I have not. What happened in the timeout? You guys got the ball underneath your own basket, and confusion, Which and game? then you guys got to, huh? Which game? Virginia. 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 At the end, tie game. Yeah. Yes.
4: What happened in the timeout, we were, uh, you know, we wanted to get the ball to Jarrett. You know, I, you know, we, there was discussions of maybe making him a decoy and trying to do something else, but it happens so quick and you don't have much time. And, you know, we just ended up with drawing up some, some type of play to to get him the ball and get a shot off and he ended up getting blocked. Um, You know, hindsight, it would have been, you know, I wish we could have got a better look there, but, They're a really good defensive team, and who
1: knows what we would have gotten. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip.
0: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
5: Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away.
3: um what what do you remember what's that feeling like like I remember my last game and I I just remember looking around the locker room because I was I just assumed we were going to cut down I'm, I, my my mentality was a lot like yours where I just assume we're going to win we're going to cut down the nets we're going to go to the final <laughs> four like you don't like losing doesn't even come into the equation when you wake up that morning and then you look around you're like man I I fucking love these dudes like they're my guys I can't believe I right. never get to play basketball with them again it's different though when you only done it for a year Do you remember what that was like in the locker room afterwards?
4: Devastation, man. I mean, you're talking like you got the elite eight, like you're almost there. We got the national championship. Um, I know you're like, like right, right there. With the ball
3: underneath your basket tie game in regulation.
4: So it's tough. You know, the only way I can really uh, get past it is I can just focus on the positives and what I'm grateful for. And like, that we got that far, I could have gone to another school. We wouldn't even went to the tournament, you know, and I got to experience that and make it all the way there. But, uh, you know, personally, I have a lot of regret. Like, I wish I would have been more aggressive. And I still have dreams about it, man. I have dreams and I wake up and I'm like, man, uh, I have dreams that I like, I make the game winning shot. And I'm just like, man, I wish I would have been more aggressive and more assertive uh, earlier in that game. Because it's like, it's just another game, but it's not just another game.
3: I know, I know. I, I would love so, to tell you that that goes away. Okay. It, yeah. it doesn't go away. It's like that's It's all right, but, man. Life but, goes
4: on the sun, the sun rises and it, it does. Blessed,
3: so. it, uh, totally. Okay. So you get done. Okay. And your thought process by now is like, okay, now I can, I know I can make the league, but it's harder than just that summer league was with who Atlanta. Okay. The draft comes and goes, you don't get picked. Did you watch the draft?
4: I watched the draft because I had some good draft workouts, and you know I got a really good agent, um, Chris Emmons, and I got a bunch of draft workouts. And obviously, I don't get those workouts if we don't go to the Final Four and we don't get that exposure. And if I don't play well in in that Michigan State game, I probably don't get that many workouts. Um, so I watched the draft because there was possibility maybe I get picked second round, later second round. But uh, you getting mad watching? I know it, it was a long. No, no, not at all. I know it was a long shot, um, but my agent was like, hey, there's a couple teams that are you know, considering you. And uh, the draft comes and goes, and I get the call, and it's like, hey, uh, you want to go to Atlanta for summer league? we got to decide in like a minute because they're trying to fill – Atlanta's trying to fill their roster, the summer league teams. So I said, if you think that's what we do, then we do it. And I went to Atlanta. What was that like? Well, uh, you know, every step of the way for me, it's just pressure. You know, you got to perform. and. Because if I feel if I don't perform, then that's like it's like it's probably over, you know, limited opportunities. But I got to play 20 minutes a game with Atlanta in summer league and uh, I played OK. But I realized, like, I got to develop as a point guard in college. I was like a combo and summer league. I was like, I, I really got to hone in on my point guard skills. And if I'm going to play in the league, i got to be a point guard, probably 6'3", white guy, not the most athletic that um, I'd I be tough you know, point guard, make the right reads, but also, you know, make some plays here and there, like not just, you know, that's the thing. Kirk Heinrich actually lives in uh, South Dakota and uh, I would be working out with him sometimes. He's, I grew up watching him with the Bulls. You know, he was, he was a great player, uh, a really good player playing the league for a while. And I remember him telling me like, Hey, cause at first I was like, all right, I just gotta be solid. You look at like white cards that played in the league and they were just super tough, gritty, solid guys, make open shots, make the free throws, make their teammates better type of thing. And I remember, you know, I'm trying to do that, but Kirk's like, look, you still got it. When you get in there, you got to show like that. You can hoop. Yep. too. you, you, you gotta still be aggressive. And, uh, you know, cause otherwise you're just out there. So, you know, he, he really, uh, you know, he was in my ear and helped me out with some things too.
3: Okay. So then, what and then then Memphis for training camp okay yeah what What was that like
4: great experience I love I loved. Uh, I love Memphis the staff and everybody there um you know the first time being in an NBA facility and being around NBA guys and playing and uh you know that was kind of like John Morant was there and you know he's young and super talented and I was like you know I saw it firsthand like how good that guy was going to be So competing with all these guys and that was the first time like that gave me a lot of confidence playing with those guys and knowing that I'm, you know, I, I was playing well, we played pickup, I'd be playing well. Um, that gave me a lot of confidence, but it's like, once you get to the NBA level, you got to remind yourself, you can't defer, you know, you got to remind, like I had to constantly remind myself I belong here, you know, go out there and be aggressive, be a killer, you know, that type of thing.
3: You talked about your relationship with God. It's not, it's not uh like from a book, it's not true religion. It's more kind of your relationship and spirituality to it. How 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 did how does that help you? Because it's not easy, right? Like you're going place and you think you play well, and then now you're off to the G League and you're with new guys and your your confidence is tested. Like how does that play a part in what you've been able to do in terms uh sustaining kind of your will?
4: Yeah, great question. I'm really, I'm really glad you uh, asked me that. Um, you know, I found I was in college at South Dakota. And I was searching for answers. You know, I grew up Catholic, but I was just like, is this, you know, cause everybody grows up, believing in different things. So like, am I right because I grew up this way and they grew up that way. And what they, they believe that they're right. You know, somebody who grows up half across the country or across the world, everybody believes different things. So I just started searching for truth. And, you know, I found that, that Jesus was the truth. Um, you know, son of God rose from the dead. And so then I started just looking at what he said and, how he lived and he showed us how to live. And, you know, I started developing my relationship with God. I realized it wasn't about, you know, rules and traditions, but more about, um, you know, just having my heart being postured towards him. Like, do I love others the way he loves me? Sort of, that's what it all comes down to, this, the Bible. It all comes down to love. Love others as yourself, right? But, you know, with, with the game of basketball, and halfway through the season, I told you that one year in South Dakota, my game kind of took off. What I didn't tell you is, you know, my my relationship with God kind of took off, and I realized, like, I talk a lot about pressure. You know, there's constant pressure with the line of work I'm in, and and you know, you've you've lived it, played at a really high level, and uh, a lot of guys struggle dealing with that, and I struggled dealing with it, and for a long time. And if I if I played bad, I felt like this big, you know. I felt like I was, I was worthless in a way. And that's not what God tells us. You know, he tells us what our worth is based on, you know, our, how we treat other people. So what I'm getting at is my relationship with God. It made me realize if I play poorly or if I play great, God's love for me, doesn't change. And then my game took off because I just had this peace in me. And like, I knew no matter how I played his love for me, wasn't going to change. You know, I still had salvation through Jesus and I just started killing. It wasn't because I was, I was, you know, a lot of people make that prayer, like, Lord, help me play my best. And that was me. I do that. I still do that. But it's like, he doesn't really care no. how we play. He cares how we treat other people. But I just, I had this peace inside me once in my relationship with him. And I just, I started playing way better.
3: Um, you're in Canton, right? And yeah. where were you when you got the call that you get to go play for the, the Cavs?
4: I was in Memphis. Actually, I was in Memphis. I was walking to, uh, cause I was with the G league team in Memphis and we get tickets to the Grizzlies games. It was a Grizzlies rockets game. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I get called to, uh, I get a call by my agent. I'm on the, I'm on the side of the street and he calls and he, the first thing he says is this, he says, Hey Matt, I regret to inform you you're no longer with the Memphis hustle. So I'm just like, I'm like, okay. He's like, pack your bags, you're going to Cleveland. You got a two-way contract with the Cavs. So, like, you know, that's that feeling we talked about earlier where I always felt like I could play in the league, but I knew it was gonna be tough and I didn't know like it was ever gonna happen, but I believed it could. You know, it was happening. And uh, you know, I sat there on the on the curb and I just, you know, I thank God. And the first person I called. Um, was my dad. And not to put a, a damper on the mood at all, but my dad's, you know, currently only got a couple months to live. You know, he's got, uh, he's got a disease in his brain and I'm only giving him a couple months left. And, um, but, but I say that because, you know, before my dad, um, before I got that call from my agent, I got a call from my dad and my dad, has lived in Cleveland for about five years now. So he's been in Cleveland wow. and, and he called me about an hour before that. And he said, you know, he got bad news from the doctor. This cancer was spreading. Okay. Well, an hour later, I got a call from my agent telling me I was going to Cleveland. And so I called him and he just said, you know, you just, uh, one of the worst days in my life became just became one of the best. And it's given me a lot of time to be with him. And, uh, you know, he was at the first game and it was really cool to have him there. So, that was the moment. Then I called my brother, my mom, and people who have helped me get to this point, you know, back home, my coaches and stuff. And uh, That's why it's special, because so many people have helped me get here, right?
3: Nobody does it alone.
4: So you share it with them, you know? Yeah.
3: I, got, I, got, I got two more things, and I'm tight on time, and I apologize, because it's... It's all good. First game you played was against the Knicks. Yeah. What was the shot you hit?
4: Floater. I, don't, I mean, I don't even... I don't shoot that shot a whole lot, um, but pump fake, right foot, right floater, looked kind of awkward, <laughs> but it just, it, it went down and felt pretty good. That's my only bucket to this point because I only played
3: a couple games. So, so, so that, that leads me to my second question to the, to the six foot two to five eleven white dudes out there that everybody's like, you ain't got no shot, dude. You can go and pay your check and play an AU team may play in college. You're a guy that I'm sure people are like, (laughs) you're not playing late, right? One scholarship offer to the Air Force out of high school. You don't even go to the Air Force, you go to their prep. Then you play one year there, then to South Dakota, then to tech. Okay. Then you scratched and clawed and you've made it. You have whatever you do the rest of your life, you have done what only 450 people get to do a year out of 8 billion people on earth. How do you persevere through the hard times?
4: Yeah, good question. Um, I don't think I've made it, you know, I put on that jersey, but I'm still constantly pursuing, you know, make a career out of it and be better um every day. But uh how do you persevere through the hard times? For me, it was my faith, you know. Um, and for those 5'11 to 6'2 guys or those guys who are underrated, it's just chase your dreams, man. Like everybody's gonna tell you what you can and can't do or what you should do. Do what you love and go after it as hard as you can go after it. And if you don't make it, you don't make it, but you got to go for it. And that's how I felt. And that's why I made the decisions I made. And, um, you know, here I am and hopefully I'll keep on going.
3: Hey man, this is an awesome talk. Um, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad's struggles, but, uh, I got, got to run and I really appreciate it.
4: Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it, Doug. It's good to talk to you, man.
3: Thanks man. All right. All right. Uh, Quick reminder the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily, daily on foxsportsradio.com. You can stream us anywhere you go. You can download the podcast as well. And you can listen to us live 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific, foxsportsradio.com. Stream the show. We got great interviews, uh, football, baseball, basketball as well. Anyway, my thanks to Matt Mooney and to you for joining us. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball.